Jesus, we ask that you would do what only you can do. You would speak to us. Father, there are those of us here today who come here and we desperately need hope. I pray you encounter us and show us the hope that you possess. Some of us, Father, need freedom from the past and from shame and guilt, and I pray in the name of Jesus that you would show us what that is. Lord, some of us need freedom from addiction or other things, and look, God, I know we come here desperate for you, and we ask that you would move. We don't just want to go to church. We want to have an encounter with the divine almighty God. Amen? Amen. Amen. You guys may be seated. Well, we have been, if you're new with us, you came at the right time, because we have been going through the book of Acts for six months and we finished it, and I was supposed to complete it all last week, but we had this thing happen, this fire. And so we had a big community breakfast last week. We had the chief up here, the chief of police, and the, and the, and the chief of, of the fire, firemen, firefighters. And um, man, what a great day. People from the community came. And I want to say, I want to reiterate something today that I said last week before I jump into Acts, because today is the final sermon on the book of Acts, and it's therefore. Like, therefore, what did we learn? What did we learn from the past six months of studying this book of Acts that's the birth of the movement of Jesus? Well, one of the things that I love that um, God does is the good news of Jesus isn't just about getting from down here up to heaven when you die. The good news of Jesus is getting what's up there in heaven, down here, so you can truly live. <laughs> no, it's not working, Charlie. The good news of Jesus isn't just about you getting from down here up to heaven when you die. The good news of Jesus is getting what's up in heaven down here so you can truly live. Okay. That's why we're here. We don't just punch a reservation someday. He gives us life to the full today. Hope, freedom, love, forgiveness, mercy, grace. It's so great. And we talked last week about the Bible is the story about God's original intent. And from page one, he's the God who wants to come down and be with his people. And that's who he is the whole way through. He wants to come down and be with his people. And then we get to Acts, and he says, watch this. And the God comes down in a new way, a new paradigm, a megaphone announcing the arrival of a, of a spiritual shift. In Acts, we see a new way that provides greater access to God as Jesus Christ, the Messiah. He lived, he died, he resurrected, and then he went up, and the Spirit came down. And in Acts, we find the Spirit of the living God. We still can't wrap our heads and hearts around this because it would blow us away. The Spirit of the living, divine God of the universe lives within those who love and call Jesus their Savior. It's just astounding. He's not in some temple anymore. We need a high priest. We have a high priest. It's Jesus. He resides within those who follow Jesus as Savior. It's incredible that we have that kind of access to the presence of God. He's like 7-Eleven. It's always open. It's instantaneous. It's real time. The resources of God are available to you in your life. And that's what I want to talk about today as we finish up Acts. That... Is Acts true? Because we should be seeing some of that in our life. And if it is true, then the resources of God that we see there should be resourcing us in our hearts and our spirits. Let's look at Acts and see what the Spirit does for a second. In Acts 2, the Holy Spirit arrives on the scene and with a violent wind and with fire. That's quite a, a first impression right there in the New Testament. 
Through Peter, the Holy Spirit raises Eustace from the dead in Acts 9. Acts 2 says that the apostles, they perform many miracles there in Jerusalem. Through Paul, in Acts 20, the Holy Spirit raises Tabitha from the dead. Raising people from the dead. Through Paul, or through Peter, the Holy Spirit heals a lame man in Acts 3 and heals a paralytic man in Acts 9. Empowered by the Spirit, Paul heals many and he himself is stoned with rocks and left for dead and miraculously healed by the Spirit. Acts, let's see, that's in Acts 14. Holy Spirit shook the whole assembly building. He shook their whole church where they were meeting in Acts 4. He opened the prison doors for the apostles in Acts 5 and he liberated Peter from prison in Acts 12. He moved Philip from one place to the next in Acts 8. Holy Spirit was so potent in Acts 5 and so many multitudes were healed that it said when Peter's shadow crosses over people, they were healed. Stephen was empowered for great signs and wonders in Acts 6 and Paul was bitten by a poisonous viper and supposed to die and the Holy Spirit made it a non-event in Acts 28. People were struck dead for lying to the Holy Spirit in Acts 8 and Paul was struck blind by the Holy Spirit in Acts 9. Paul and Barnabas got to see the Holy Spirit work through them all across their journey as they traveled through Acts 14. And in Acts 28 at the end, Paul heals all the sick that came to him on the Isle of Malta. I mean, we have all these things in Acts, but remember, it's 30 years of narrative. And they didn't record everything. That's the highlights. But we're seeing the Spirit move in these incredible ways. And we have to ask, what what does that mean for me? In fact, when we hear and we read about the Holy Spirit in Acts, it causes us to ask some questions or make some statements. And some of us say, you mean that's possible for me? That still happens now? My expectations for the Holy Spirit have been way too low. While others of us say, how am I supposed to do that? I don't see it now, so I don't even know if it's real. Is this still available to me today? Does God still work this way? Is my faith too small? What's going on here? You see, when you begin to study the Holy Spirit, it can do a number of things. And my hope today is that we see clearly, as we leave Acts and enter into our, continue with our lives, we see clearly that the Holy Spirit still moves in people. And the Holy Spirit still desires to move through people, to change the world, to change the world for God's kingdom. Empowering people to love the unlovable, to forgive the unforgivable, to be kind to those who are unkind, to to break the chain of addiction, to, to flee temptation, to truly experience new hope. When you begin to see the Spirit of God move in your life in power, it gives you a confidence in your faith. You ever seen that? You ever seen God do something in you and through you and you have a confidence because you realize, even for a moment, the God of the universe loves me and is with me. If we really believe that, we would walk different, talk different, behave different. And when you begin to see that God is with you and the Spirit is in you, you begin to have a new confidence. I don't know if you know this, when I was in, but I grew up here in this area. I went to high school right over here. And I was uh, raised in redstone marble. And I, I, as a freshman, I was a small guy. I didn't go through any big growth spurts until like my sophomore, junior year. My freshman year, I was still pretty small. But one thing that was not small about me was my, my mouth. <laughs> I know this is a stretch to believe. You can ask my mom if you don't believe me. I was, I was funny. I thought so. 
Not everybody did. I was sarcastic. And I realized that my words, they can really um, have a lot of effect on people and me and my, my uh, place in this world. And it, 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 it got me in some trouble, but also opened a lot of doors for me. And so I'm a freshman, and I'm out there on that field, that field right there, the football field, about the 25-yard line, right in the middle, and we're playing soccer at PE, and the ball comes rolling, and there's two of us going after it, me and a senior named Ty Trulove, who you know, some of you know him. Yeah, yeah. He used to come here. I probably told this story too many times, and he doesn't anymore. (laughs) Tell Ty hello. We both, he's, he's a giant to me. He's a senior, I'm a freshman, and we, I get tangled up enough to knock him over too. We both fall down and roll over and we jump up and, and like young men do, uh, we jump up and do this, bow up, and he bows up a lot taller and a lot bigger. And I look up and I go, is that all you got? And that wasn't all he had. <laughs> and he was ready to show me. He did that, he did that, that there's, there's something that happens when his, his fist got tight, they came up, and I go, oh, he does have more. <laughs> That's not all he has. And it's at that moment when I'm about to um, pay the consequences for all the talk and joking I've been, done with Ty, where his eyes go off of, he's looking down at me, they go off of me and go above my head. He goes, he looks over my head, and he goes, now I don't need to tell you who was behind, I knew who was behind me. I knew who it was. You see, one thing that I also had going for me is I had, I had a lot of humor and, uh, and sarcasm, but I, I had a little bit of savvy. I knew that I needed some big friends. <laughs> so I made, my best friend was a guy named Sam Criswell, and this guy was raised by wolves, and he like went through puberty at age seven. <laughs> I witnessed Sam get in a fight in the hallway, walking with his books, not even put them down and go to class, and I thought, that guy could be a good friend to me. And we became best friends. He enjoyed my jokes. I enjoyed his protection. He was behind. I felt his presence and tie it back down. And Sam goes, you mess with him, I'm going to have to mess with you. And that was it. Ty went his way. Sam went his. And I was sitting there going, whoa. And a thought occurred to me. I can do whatever I want. (laughs) I had a new confidence. I walked the halls of giants with Sam next to me, unafraid of anyone It was such a a misplaced confidence. You know, there's a confidence that comes when you begin to understand that the divine spirit of the God of the universe resides within you, has your back, and resources you to overcome hardships and heartbreaks and the stuff the world brings at you. And this confidence is not misplaced or abused like my confidence in Sam in high school. This confidence is birthed out of gratitude because of what Jesus has done but a confidence that comes when you realize the spirit of the living God goes with me. He's bigger than any Sam Criswell. See, in life, the giants of anxiety and comfort and security and stress stare down at us. And because of the Holy Spirit, I can stand with confidence because of what he has given me. In fact, the Bible says God didn't give us a spirit of fear. God didn't give us a spirit of timidity. He gave us a spirit of power of love and discipline. The spirit that he gave us is a spirit of power, not timidity and fear. You know, the Holy Spirit in in the book of Acts follows two people primarily. 
Peter and Paul, and, and there's such bookends to, to what kind of people are. Some of you are here today, and, and no matter how hard you try, you can't get it right. You have spiritual seasons of, of great passion and, and spiritual seasons of great depression, and, and you put your foot in your mouth and you do the wrong thing. Well, that's Peter, and he's one of Jesus' favorite disciples. You're in good company. And there's Paul, and Paul didn't even believe in Jesus. In fact, he wanted to go find the people that did and har- arrest them, harass them, execute them. He was a seeker, but not a seeker of Jesus, a seeker of Christians to hurt them. He's the other guy that God uses, picks these two people in there, and we follow this narrative of these two. And so whatever side you're on, there's room for you. There's room for everybody here in God's kingdom and in this church. And so we see Paul and we see Peter, especially Paul, we see these things that he does, and we say, wow, look at what God did through him. Look what God's doing through him. And we say, where's that in my life? Like, I re- I really, can we just be honest? We stop and we read Acts and we go, that's nice. Where is that in my life? We see Paul do these things and it's shocking, it's miraculous. He's so bold. He doesn't care. He rebukes, he encourages, he preaches, he teaches, he prays, he speaks. His boldness is intimidating, isn't it? We look at Paul and we see him do all the things that he does, saying all the things that he says, being the way that he is, and we think to ourselves, I'm no Paul. Now, I'm no Paul. Personality-wise, I'm nothing like that. I don't want to be like that. I don't know. Something happens when we read the book of Acts. We begin to see and think of Paul as our goal. He's the model. He's this, 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 this wild man who has no care for his reputation and, and who has zero concern for political correctness, who cares more about spiritual resources than what human resources would ever tell him. He's going to Paul. Paul's going to Paul. It's intimidating to think that we should be like Paul. We read this and go, where is that in my life? And I don't know if I can be like him. Which leads me to a conversation I had with my wife one night. She was um, in, a, in the room reading the Bible and going through Romans. And I don't know if you know this about me, but I am not very handy. I can't fix anything. We have a tool, um, not a belt, what's it called? Toolbox at home. <laughs> there it is. We have a toolbox at home. Amy, whose tools are they? They're her tools. I, God did, I know, I know. God did not gift me that way. And so when my wife says, I have a question about the Bible. Yes, dear. I'm there to finally have something to do in my house that proves that I should be a part of this whole system because I can't fix anything. So she has, I have a question about the Bible. She's reading Romans. And, I, you know, this is, my, this is my zone. This is my area. I got this. And she says, so Paul, he, he has a very strong personality. Oh, yeah. I mean, she goes, he's, he's off speaking and declaring, and he doesn't care what people think, and he's all in. Oh, yeah. She goes, but wasn't he just like that before Jesus too? Well, I don't know. <laughs> she goes, well, think about it. Did God change his personality? And I was like, well, I've never thought of that. <laughs> so I owe you all this, Amy. Thank you very much. And what we begin to talk through is that, is that, you know, Paul is Paul. God did not change Paul's personality. Before Jesus, he was all in on it. After Jesus, he was all in on that. Jesus didn't change Paul's personality. What does this mean? It means this. Some of us are so terrified that if we start to listen and respond to the Holy Spirit, he's gonna ship us off to some far off country or ask us to get on a stage with a microphone and start declaring things or raising our hands or doing things that are so far out of our personality, we never wanna do them. 
And, and I've heard people say, I'm not gonna start doing small things because I don't wanna do those big things. I've heard that. It's, it's a genuine fear. We don't wanna be like Paul, some people. But you know, Jesus, God is not interested in changing your personality. Did you know he likes you? Do you know he created you? If he wanted Paul, he would have made a bunch of Pauls. If he wanted you to be Paul, he would have made you like Paul. He made you like you the way you are with your personality. The Spirit doesn't come and change your personality. It perfects your personality. It empowers your personality. If you're an introvert, he's going to show you how to be a bold introvert. If you're an extrovert, you're going to be a, a bold extrovert. And maybe he's going to tone that down a little. <laughs> but he's going he's to help you be a healthy personality, a healthy you. You know, people say, uh, I don't want to start listening to the Spirit, Daniel, because I'm going to end up going from coffee shop to coffee shop like you do, looking for someone to talk about Jesus. And I just want to tell you, if I didn't believe in Jesus, I would still go coffee shop to coffee shop talking about something. That's just who I am. God wants you to be you. And so when we read about Paul, it's like, I'll never be like Paul. Hopefully not. Be like you. Because only you can do what God wants to do through you. So far off. Hold on a second. The bottom line is this. God wants to empower you to do great things. But he's not going to trump your will and he's not going to force you. And he's not going to change your personality and force you to be like somebody else. He'll challenge you. He'll call you. He'll give you boldness. But listen, he loves you and he created you the way you are. Your home, your family, your work, your neighbors, they don't need Paul. They need you, fully resourced by the Spirit. What does your spouse need? Your spouse needs you, not Paul. Your spouse needs you, obedient to the Holy Spirit, full of love and grace as you are resourced internally by the Spirit, full of God's love, putting your spouse first. Your kids, what do they need? Do they need Paul as a dad? No, they need you as a dad or a mom. Your kids need you, fully resourced with patience and dedicated to raising them as children of conviction and character. What does your work need? Your work doesn't need Paul. Your work needs you fully resourced by heaven with wisdom and kindness to respond to your boss and your coworkers and customers with goodness and gentleness. The world is hurting and it doesn't need a bunch of Pauls. It needs a bunch of you. It needs you fully resourced with your yes ready to say yes to God and however he would ask you to respond. You know, I have a friend who's an introvert and he works a job that puts him in people's houses repairing things. And he's not a stage kind of guy. And he says, I would never go up there. But he has these moments uh, where he will go into someone's house and God will have a, a divine appointment happen where the person's having a terrible day, life, whatever it would be. And he gets that moment to step in and say, you know, I believe in God and he's given me peace. And this is, what, this is what God's done for me and this is what Jesus means to me. And he, he, he calls me or texts me, tells me about this stuff. And I, we just celebrate and he goes, I, I, I can't speak on stage, but I can preach in a living room. And I go, that's perfect, because I can never go preach in that living room. That'd be very awkward. That would be a very awkward repair call. Can I come preach in your living room? No. See, he's, do, he's spread, doing what he does. I'm doing what, you be you, and God's going to empower you in the place you are to speak and be empowered. There was a woman who came up front a while back, and as I was up here, and she came down, and she goes, I want to pray about receiving Jesus. I said, whoa. It's my favorite kind of prayer. She says, but I'm really concerned. You see my, and I have her permission for this. She says, my husband, um, he doesn't know Jesus. And I'm so afraid that if I make this decision, he's not gonna love me. 
that he's not going to like who I become. And I said, Gwen, no, I'm, kidding, I'm kidding. I need Sam Criswell right now. <laughs> so far off, I shouldn't do that. Okay, back with me. She goes, my husband's not going to like who I am. I said, listen, when you receive Jesus and the Spirit indwells you, he's going mar- to be married to the best version of you he's ever married to. You're going to be resourced with more love and more patience and more grace for him than you ever have been. You're going to be the best you the more you follow Jesus and he transforms your character. And it's transformed their marriage and their life. It's been awesome to see. When we start following God, he transforms us into our greatest self. He's not going to give you some strange new personality. He loves who you are, created who you are. He's going to give you boldness to be the greatest version of who you are. You're created for God, by God, to do great works, empowered by the Spirit of God within you. And when you start to believe this, when you start to have faith in this, that, oh my goodness, the Spirit's within me, and God loves who I am, He's going to empower me to speak and do and act, you see your life differently because you are partnering with God to change the world. As you love God and love people, you see His fruit and His kingdom grow. The Holy Spirit longs to work in you and through you. And there is a real legitimate spiritual power that comes from being indwelled by the Holy Spirit. If the Bible is true, then we gotta look at these things. Like Jesus said in Luke 24 and 49, Jesus said, I'm sending the promise of my Father. Stay in the city and wait because you're gonna be clothed in power. You see, when the Spirit comes, when the Spirit moves, there's effectiveness, there's effect to it. John 14, Jesus makes some startling claims. I'm gonna ask the Father and he's gonna send you a helper that will be with you forever. It's the spirit of truth. The world can't receive him because they don't see him or know him, but you know him because he abides and lives within you. It's the Holy Spirit whom the Father will send in my name and he will teach you all things and help you remember what you have heard. The Holy Spirit teaches us truth and when we need it, brings to mind what we have learned. He does this. Are you listening? He does it. Are you listening? John 16, when the Spirit of truth comes, he will guide you in all truth. He will tell you what is to come. That means the supernatural guidance, supernatural wisdom and insight. He's gonna be guiding us in what is true throughout our day. He's speaking throughout our day. He does this. Are we listening? Acts 1, Jesus said, you'll receive power when the Holy Spirit arrives. Philippians, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Christ strengthens me by his Spirit. Ephesians 3.16, God will strengthen you by his Holy Spirit in your inmost being. Below your woundedness, below your anxiety, below your anger, below your trepidation about the future, below anything in your innermost being, the Holy Spirit strengthens you from the inside out. 2 Timothy 1.7, God did not, we mentioned this, God didn't give us a spirit of timidity or fear, but a spirit of power, love, and discipline. Galatians 5 tells us about the fruit of the Spirit. 1 Corinthians 12, the gifts of the Spirit. The Holy Spirit, if we love and believe in Jesus, resides within us, and there should be an effect, an empowerment from that. He is speaking, are we listening? He is prompting, are we listening? 
Orchard, did you ever stop and consider that God is speaking to you, prompting you, and calling you throughout your day? If the Bible is true, if God is who he says he is, and this word is God's word, then he is speaking to you throughout the day. Did you ever consider even now, this very moment, the Holy Spirit is translating my words to your heart to what you need most, calling you, inspiring you to step into a life of true adventure and true effectiveness, the life you were called and created to have, the life where you stay in step and you walk in step with the Spirit and see amazing things happen. He speaks constantly. But the truth is we listen very little. And one thing that I want to say is, is that as the Spirit speaks, we know we hear these things. We hear them every day, don't we? Every day we hear it. Right? I want you to remember this illustration. I want you to remember this. Our world is noisy and there is a ton of background chaos. Politics, Facebook, media, magazines, stress, heartbreak, finances, children, relationships, challenges. If we are not vigilant, all you will hear is noise. You will go from one noise to the next noise, and the noise will become a background soundtrack to your life that will sound much like that. And the only way you could have heard my voice during that time was to bring your ear right up to my lips and hear my words. And in our life, where our culture and our society has a cacophony of noises, the only way you can hear the Spirit oftentimes is to bend your heart, your spirit, so close, amidst it all, close to Him to hear His voice. It doesn't happen by accident amidst all the noise. And for me, it's an intentional moment of listening despite all the noise. Have you ever noticed how much goes on around us? Maybe we turn off the music or the podcast in the car ride and you say, Spirit, I'm gonna speak out loud to you and I I just wanna hear you speak back to me, prompt me, talk to me. I got those earbuds, those uh, AirPods and and for me it's been a challenge to take those out when I'm brushing my teeth or anything. I'm listening to a podcast, listen listen to something and you just have some silence. We're scared of silence. Silence is so rare these days. Right, moms? (laughs) In a world of chaos, we must get close, draw near, abide, stay connected to the heart of God and hear his spirit. Elijah in the Old Testament, the prophet Elijah, powerful, was hiding in a cave and God said, I'm going to pass by. I want you to come out. And so then it says this. It's a beautiful passage. He's in the cave waiting for God to call him out. And a great and strong wind tore the mountains and broke the rocks to pieces before the Lord. But the Lord was not in the wind. I'm telling you, if I'm asking for God to show up and a wind erupts that breaks rocks into pieces, I'm thinking it's God. That's got to be it. He didn't go out. He stayed in. Next it says an earthquake came and it shook everything. And he stayed in the cave. God was not in it. A fire came. But God was not in the fire. And then it says he heard a still, small voice. And from that cave, he put his cloak over his head and he walked out into the presence of the Almighty. 
Now, the, the word there in Hebrew is demama. And demama, they translate into small, still small voice or whisper. But it actually means silence. You see, there was chaos. There was noise. There was amazing things happening. There was fire, wind, and, and there was an earthquake. And then, in the silence of his own heart, he heard the still small prompt of the Spirit. And he went out into the presence of the divine. Do we have the ears to hear the silent prompt of the Spirit of God when he calls us, calls us into his presence, calls us to go minister, calls us to love people and love God? We often look for God in the fire. We look for God in the loud and the big. God wants to have an intimate relationship where he can speak to your heart and you can hear his voice. I tell my kids, I tell my kids something. I say the voice of the Spirit is the truest treasure on earth. The word of God and the voice of the Spirit is the truest treasure in this life. Seek it above all things. I want my children to seek the presence of God, the voice of God. It changes everything for them. In Orchard, is there ever a time in our life where we turn down the volume on our life or social media or the things around us and bend our soul ear, soul's ear to hear the silent prompting of the Holy Spirit? If we don't hear the Holy Spirit, how will we know what he has for us? How can we act on what we are not hearing? If we are so distracted or hearing the background soundtrack of noise of the culture, how can we know what he would have for us during the day? I challenge you to remember that simple, silly illustration and to know that you have to get close to the heart of God, draw near to him, abide in him. Bottom line, the book of Acts teaches us about the Holy Spirit and the book of Acts is clear. The Holy Spirit is active and alive in the hearts of people who are close to Jesus. And for many of us here today, that is us. He is prompting, he's speaking, he's sending dreams and visions, he's calling, he's, he's giving us things. The question is, are we listening? How can we obey if we don't hear? There are great works in this region that, um, that God has in mind for us to do. Amazing things that happen in this church, in this valley, in this region. We gotta be people who know the prompt of the Holy Spirit and have our yes ready to say it. To say, yes, I will go. Orchard, the book of Acts teaches that a movement is available to us. We are the kind of people that draw near, abide in God, listen to his Holy Spirit, and when we hear him, when we feel his prompt, we say yes. It might be scary, it might cost reputation, but we say yes, because he goes with us and he can stare down the giants that we can't. He's calling us to be a powerful people, confident in the Holy Spirit. Orchard, he's speaking to us even now. And this close is gonna be a little different because the close today, listen, I want you to try this out. Get, get the, the symbol of Jesus' blood and his body. And as you sit down in your chair, I want you to say, Holy Spirit, speak to me. I wanna hear your prompt. I wanna hear your voice. Make a habit, make a lifestyle of bending your ear close, of abiding with God, of, of reading his word and hearing him in his word and hearing his prompts and feeling his prompts. The book of Acts, is the, this is the final summary before we move on. And we have to see that the Holy Spirit arrived on the earth and it changed everything and it's still available to you. Orchard, it's still available to us. And so, he is speaking. Are we listening? He is speaking. Are you listening? 
Jesus, we come before you and we ask that you would help clean out our spiritual ears. We have so tuned in to so many different voices in this world. I pray by the power of your spirit, you would cut through that right now in this moment. And as we come forward and grab the symbols of Jesus' uh, sacrifice, I pray in your kindness, you would speak to us clearly. A picture, a prompt, a word, whatever it be. Remind us how much you love us. Speak to us. Tell us what you have for us. Help us to be a people who realize the axe is still available and the Spirit still speaks and still moves. In Jesus' name. And everyone said?